Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. I neglected this last night. Someone reminded me that um, this weekend the president has declared you know, this a national prayer day. I don't care what you think of the president. I really don't. But uh, what we do need to be praying about is what's going on in Houston. And uh, I've got friends down there. You probably do too. And so if you can help out with what the youth group is doing, whatever you can do, it's a good thing to help. It is just absolute devastation. I have friends that I went to seminary with and law school with or who are in Houston, and they have told me that it's just they've lost everything. I mean, it's just absolute devastation. So be praying for that. And in fact, let's just go ahead and pray together. You want to? Let's do it. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just pray for our brothers and sisters in Houston. We just pray that you would be with them and give them peace and help rebuild that city, restore what those people had. Just And may it be a God thing. May they know this is coming from you. And more importantly, may they come to faith in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we are kicking off a new sermon series. So, good morning, Christ Community Church. All right. Okay, now I know it's Labor Day. I know you guys have been out and about. I was up late. You were up late. Um, I know this is the, this is the second, the, typically in churches, this weekend is the second worst attended church service during the year. Number one, week after Easter, believe it or not. And number two is this weekend. But we're here. Let's do it again. Good morning, Christ Community Church. Much gooder. All right, much gooder. Uh, I remember years ago reading this, this story. It was um, this guy is laying in bed, and it's getting late in the morning. It's a Sunday morning. His mom kicks open the door and says, why aren't you getting ready for church? He said, I'm not going to church. And she said, why? He said, I'll give you two reasons why. One, they don't like me. Two, I don't like them. She said, well, I'll give you two reasons why you are going. One, you're 47. Two, you're the pastor. Everybody, including ministers, have those days. It's like, oh, I just want to lay in bed. I just want to watch football. I just want to. I get that. I have been there and done that. But here are some uh, statistics that I was reading this week, and I read them too late to include them in the bulletin, but here's what you need to know. In North America right now, only 31% of churches are growing. 69% of churches in North America are dying. They're dying. Because if you're not growing, you're dying. That's just the way it is. If you, go, if you have no growth after about 18 months, you're dying. 69% of churches. And even in those that are growing, it, here's where it boils down to. For every one convert to Christianity, for one convert, based upon attendance, regular attendance, it takes 19 members to make one convert. 19 Christians to make one new Christian in North America. That's sad. What's even more sobering is this. Of those growing churches, only 6% are growing by converting non-Christians. 94% of growing churches are from transfer growth, church hoppers. 
people go from church to church to church to church. Dying churches, rushing to growing churches, all that kind of stuff. It's sad. It's just sad. But the good news is this. Among the growing churches, the 6% that are growing because they're reaching out to the unchurched, what separates those churches from the others is they're intentional about it. From the staff and the elders on down, they are intentional about reaching out to the unchurched. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. How do you do that? How do you reach the unchurched? Because it's tough out there. I don't know if you've noticed, but the culture has changed dramatically in the last 30 years. It just has. It's become more hostile. I taught uh, English on a secular campus. I did that for, for several years. And I am telling you that all my colleagues, the students, so forth, are being indoctrinated. They are being told what to believe. And it's all secular, and it's all bad. And so we live in, I, I tell people this, if you want to put it in a biblical way, we're not in Jerusalem anymore, we're in Babylon. That's the way it is. We are in exile. So how do you deal with that? Now, there are three general views, according to studies, that the unchurched have about the church. About the church. Here's number one. I don't have time to go to church because of work and kids. Okay, let's talk about this. Now, I would tell them, if I could get them to listen to me, that they have to make the time because it's that important for them and their kids. But things have gotten out of control. There was a story this week on Good Morning America that kids today spend more time in extracurricular activities and athletics than they do in almost anything else. This was unreal. I was watching this, and there were these parents, blue-collar parents. These were not rich people. And they said that they were so convinced that their eight-year-old son was going to be a Major League Baseball player that they spent in one summer $10,000 on training in camps. $10,000 on an eight-year-old. Now, that shouldn't surprise you. If you have ever been to a Little League game, my kid played Little League and I would go, and there's always a couple of dads, right? who are over on the sideline, screaming at the umpire, yelling, throwing a fit, because they're absolutely convinced when their son's like 11, they're going to be signed by the Reds. Now, the way the Reds are playing, I guess that's a possibility. But this is ridiculous. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. Now, we've been talking about this as staff. How do we deal with this? Well, we begin this way. If you're a Christian parent, and you're missing church because you're running your kid from here to there, softball, whatever, you need to stop. You need to stop. One percent, less than one percent of even Division I college athletes will make it to the pros. And the average career in the pros is three years. Three years. Most professionals end up broke two years after getting out of major leagues, NFL, whatever, because they thought they'd just do it forever, and they spent their money, all that kind of stuff. They saved nothing, and they end up broke. 
absolutely dead broke. Heck, Mike Tyson ended up dead broke. And he had a hundred and some million dollars, and he ended up dead broke. You know, there's, it, it, it's crazy to think that your kid is going to be that. And here's the thing. The Johnny Benches, the Kenny Andersons, the, all those folks who made it to the top, their parents didn't spend $10,000 sending them to training camps. They just worked hard. You don't have to do all that. You don't. If your kid's won the genetic lottery, good for you. If he hasn't, deal with it. It's just the way it is. We have to set the example. Number two, the church only wants my money. Sure it does. I'm getting ready to upgrade my used Honda Accord to a Rolls Royce any day. (laughs) Give me a break. At least at this church, we don't even pass the plate. We don't do that. We don't guilt trip. We don't, we don't do that. Yeah, we occasionally raise money, of coins for Africa or for the track chair, which, by the way, we are only $1,500 away from paying for the track chair. And we think the next coin dump will do that. Great job, guys. So, the church only wants money. Give me a break. The church does not want your money. We don't. We really don't. Yeah, we, wanna, we need to keep the lights on. We need to do all that stuff. We, I understand that. It costs money to run this church. I get that. But quite frankly, our budget has always been way below the national average because we refuse to pass the plate. We won't do that. And other pastors have told, Dad, you're crazy. You need to do this. And Dad said, no, I'm not doing that. But it's costing you hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. He said, God will take care of his church. I'm not doing it. And we're not going to do it. We're not going to guilt trip people. At three, this is the big one I hit on. I have to be perfect to attend. Or the flip side of that, ah, the church is full of hypocrites. So's the bar, man. I mean, are you kidding me? Give me a break. Every place is full of hypocrites. You don't put on your real face anywhere. You don't. You don't tell everybody what's exactly on your mind. You don't. Every place is full of hypocrites. We all try to hide stuff. We all try to pretend about it. We all do it. The church is simply no different than anyone else because it's full of human beings. That's just the way it is. Now, the good news is when you look at studies of the unchurched, they are interested in two things. One, they're really interested in community. In a diverse community, a diverse by race, age, so forth, they're really interested in that. And the one thing Christ Community Church has always had that, that I've never seen any other churches, and I've worked in churches in Texas and in upstate New York and in West Virginia. I'll go to heaven for that. The, I've worked, at, I've done all that. I've never seen a church where we've had such a diversity of race and age as we have And they're interested in that. They're really interested. The unchurched are like really interested in being part of a community. There was a book that came out like 15, 16 years ago called Bowling Alone. And the book was basically about what they did as a study. And they found that for the first time in history, more people were going to a bowling alley by themselves than with groups and leagues and all that kind of stuff. And they asked, why is that? And they saw that we have basically... Lonely, lonely people. 
We have built up these lives. We have Netflix, we have Wi-Fi, we have Amazon Prime, we have Spotify, we have Pandora, we have all this kind of stuff. And so we have all this stuff to entertain ourselves, but we don't have people in our lives. We don't have people in our lives. And in fact, studies have been shown that people today don't know how to have conversations anymore. Now, there's a reason for that. Our ancestors, back in the day, talked to each other. They talked to each other all day because they had nothing else to do. They didn't have TV. They didn't have Wi-Fi. They didn't have anything. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have any of that stuff. I saw a tweet from somebody I follow on Twitter. said, when we had the eclipse, this is the first time millennials have looked up. And... We don't talk to each other anymore. And there's a reason why when you try to talk to somebody, it's stilted and it's weird and it's awkward. They don't know how to talk to anybody because they never do talk to anybody. We are a lonely, isolated people. And we need to break that barrier. We need to learn how to talk to each other again. And we can do that. Number two, they're interested in a diverse community. Number two, they're interested in Jesus. They really do want to know about Jesus. They're not convinced he's the son of God. They're not convinced about it. But they're really interested in knowing more about Jesus. So if you know an unchurched person and you know anything about Jesus and you belong to this diverse community, you already have a leg up. You're already there, man. You already have something going for you. Now, but the simple fact is, and I run into this all the time, all the time. I'm in the gym every morning at 6 a.m. till 9 a.m., then I'm there in the evening, and I talk to people all the time, and, and, and what I hear from people is this. I will be judged if I walk into a church. That breaks my heart. I'm a pastor here. And my past before I became a Christian is shameful. When dad asked me to come back here in 2006, the first thing that went through my mind is, go back to Portsmouth? People know me. And they don't know me as a Christian. I didn't become a Christian until 1997. By 1998, I was on my way to seminary. For all the years I was here, I partied like it was 1999 until 1997. I said, oh, no, people, I mean, are you kidding me? I remember talking to a friend. It's like, well, what's the big deal? How many skeletons do you have in your closet? I said, dude, they're out of the closet. There's no room left in the closet. They've poured out. They're raiding the fridge at night, man. That's how many skeletons I got. But I can't. And I just deal with it. The thing that makes this church special, and I'm going to come back to this, the thing that's made this church always special, even when I was an atheist, I understood Christ Community Church is one of the few places 
that teaches the Bible as the Word of God and welcomes everyone. In most churches in North America, what you see is they either preach the Word of God and they look down on certain people who are sinners, and by the way, that includes all of us, or they don't preach the Word of God and they welcome everyone. It's called liberal progressive churches. This is the only church I've ever been in that does both. It does both. And I'm going to come back to that because I've got a story about that that I want you to hear. But the thing about this, this, this who do we welcome, who do we exclude thing, is nothing new. Can I come in? Can I not? Am I going to be welcomed? Am I not? This is nothing new. This has been going on in the church since the early church. And when I say early church, I mean the kind of church where you'd walk in and the Apostle Paul would be preaching. This has been going on for a long, long time. Let me show you what I mean. See, the early church were really struggling with, okay, the Messiah has come. He's died for our sins. We have the Holy Spirit. But what do we do with the Old Testament? Now, we know the Old Testament pointed to Jesus. We study that, but other than that, what do we do with it? Because there's these these laws and commands and all this kind of stuff in there. Do we still have to follow that or not? And they really wrestled with this. Give you an example. Deuteronomy 23.1. Throw it up there. Now, this is Moses preaching to the nation of Israel talking about who is welcome to worship at the tabernacle, later the temple. He says, no one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. That means no one who has been, you know what, gone by accident or by purpose may worship at the temple or the tabernacle. Now, the reason for that law at that time was that God was preaching that I am perfect, I am holy, and you have to be the same to enter into my presence. He wasn't trying to be cruel. It was just this law. Now, and this happened a lot. This, who gets, you know, who intentionally has their you-know-what cut off? But it actually used to happen a lot because if you were a king or if you were a royal official and you had a wife or you had a concubine, which was common at that time, and they wanted servants, they wanted bodyguards, well, you don't want anything to be going on between them, so you insisted that they be in order to serve. And so it happened quite a bit. Now we skip ahead. Jesus has come. Jesus has died for the sins of all of us who come to faith in him. He has been resurrected, ascended back to heaven. You have the early church. Now look at what happens in Acts 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip. Now notice this. It's the angel of the Lord who sends Philip. Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. An important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandaki, which means queen of the Ethiopians. So this person had been emasculated to serve the queen. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Now notice, he went to Jerusalem to worship, but he would not have been welcomed. He would not have been able to enter the temple. He would have been pushed aside. 
but he went anyway. This is like if we looked out and we saw somebody in the parking lot sitting there singing along with Ralph and trying to lean in and listen to the sermon, stopping people as they came out of church. What did the preacher say? What scriptures they read? This is what this royal official went through. And on his way home, was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. This makes me mad. They won't let him in to worship, but they'll sell him a scroll. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Who told him to go? The Spirit of God. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Because back then, everybody read aloud. Reading silently is actually pretty much a modern invention, believe it or not. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. This was also common in the ancient world. They were smart enough to know that reading a text, you needed a teacher, an instructor. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. Notice how this works. Just happens that he was reading this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Do you hear how this would have hit this eunuch? He he had no children. He, He had no wife. He had no children. I know this man. This man is like me. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Because it was about Jesus Christ. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And Philip's thinking, I know a lot of people in Jerusalem who would say, you can't be baptized. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And Philip baptized him. When he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. We stop there. Now... Do you see what's happening in that passage of Scripture? Do you know why Luke included that in the book of Acts? He's saying the walls have come down, and now everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. There are no preconditions to coming in to hear about Jesus Christ. None. Anyone is welcome. What he is saying there is this, as Tim Keller put it, The church needs to be an ER for sinners, not a country club for saints. Because we're all sinners. If you think you're better than someone else, let me ask you this. Do you want your thoughts, every thought you've had this week broadcast to the world? Made my point, right? Ravi Zacharias, a Christian apologist, preacher that I greatly admire, said once, I heard him say, he said, if you knew what was going on in my mind in the last day, none of you would be here listening to me. I've said it once, I'll say it again and again and again till it gets through. In the universe, there are two tiers, Jesus and everybody else. There's no champagne room, man. It ain't there. We are sinners, they are sinners, we are forgiven sinners, but we're still sinners. We are all the same. We're all in the same boat. 
I screwed up for 10 years. For 10 years, I really screwed up. And I continue to screw up now as a pastor. The only difference between now and then is I pray and I'm forgiven. That's it. Okay, I'm saved. I believe that if I died right now, if the trumpet sounded and Jesus returned, I would go to heaven. I would be part of the new heavens and new earth. But that's simply because I have received a gift. And you don't get to brag about receiving a gift. It's a gift, man. You've done nothing. You've done nothing but stretch out your hands and receive the gift. That's it. That's grace. There's nothing else. Nothing else. There's no tears here. There's no hierarchy here. I get this all the time. Why are you hanging out with that guy? Why are you hanging out with him? Why shouldn't I hang out with that guy? Well, he does this, 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 this. I used to too. Yeah, but you don't now. So? We have to be people like this, not people like this. Always. Always. Let me share a story with you. I used to live in Hollywood. I lived there for a couple years. I had an apartment in North Hollywood. At that time that I lived there in North Hollywood, it was, and this is going to get a little frank, so just prepare yourself. If you have to earmuffs like an old school, whatever, but here we go. It was the porn capital of the world at that time. Like 90-some percent of pornography was shot in North Hollywood. It was everywhere. And so I'd run into porn stars all the time. I'd run into porn stars at 7-Eleven. I'd run into porn stars at KFC of all places. I'd run into them all the time. And they would just talk openly about their lives and what was going on and the shoots they were on and all this other kind of stuff. And I got to know some of them. The most famous porn star of all time is a guy named Ron Jeremy. I used, to see, I used to see him at the KFC. That guy could eat. Um, that guy could put away some chicken, man. Um, and he's a little teeny tiny guy. He's 5'4". And he has been in, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, been in more porn films than anybody else, like 3,000 or something. And so about 10 years ago, he began debating a pastor about the pros and cons of pornography. And they went to college campuses, like 25 different college campuses, to have these debates. And I watched one of them, and I thought it was pretty interesting, so I checked out this pastor, and his name is Craig Gross. Craig Gross is from western Michigan. Don't hold that against him. Um, and he started, he was, in, he was a youth minister, and what he noticed was, this is the 1990s, and he noticed that almost every single young man in his youth ministry was struggling with pornography. And so he said, i got to do something about this. So he started a ministry called triplexchurch.com. Now, the reason he chose the title triplexchurch was that he knew if people went on to Google and typed triplex or whatever, it would come up, and he wanted to see that before they saw pornography. And Triple X Church does three things, primarily. Number one, it helps stop children from looking at pornography. The way it does this is, it 
you can download or, or buy, there's two different software, you can buy software, put it on your kid's phone, computer, and so forth, and it will monitor his web searches. So, you will get an email telling you whatever your kid is looking at online. So a parent can tell their kid this, put it on. And so let me ask you, if a 15-year-old boy knows that his mama is going to get an email telling him what he's looking at online, you think that's going to have an effect? So that's one. Two, they help people with pornography addiction. And this is a growing crisis. So they help people with pornography addiction. What they do is they, they provide, they let you know where you can get counseling, all that kind of stuff, and they also, same thing, they give you this software where you can have an accountability partner. I have several young guys who I'm their accountability partner. I get an email every month telling me what they've looked at online. And it even says that if you try to take that software off there, if you try to cheat and try to remove it, I get an email about that too. So if I get an email that says, such and such removed there, I send them a text, hey, what's going on, dude? Guess what I just got? It's accountability. But the third thing they do is this. They actually have a booth at porn conventions, and they have a big banner that says, Jesus loves porn stars. And they hand out Bibles with the cover, Jesus loves porn stars. Now, they don't mean that Jesus approves of porn. What they mean is simply, Jesus loves everyone, including you. And then they try to get people out of the industry. And they've gotten several out. They even have this fund called the Esther Fund, where if they've had several women, they found this out early on, they had several women come to the booth and say, I want to leave porn, but... I'm living paycheck to paycheck because, by the way, most porn stars earn about $45,000 a year. That's it. That's it. And so they live paycheck to paycheck. So they started this Esther fund so that if a woman wants to get out of pornography, they will pay for her to have an apartment and go back to school, whatever they need to do. And they've done that with literally dozens of porn stars. So that's what they do. That's Triple X Church. And here they were debating Ron Jeremy, the most famous porn star of all time. But after they did these like 20-odd debates, a weird thing happened. Ron Jeremy and the pastor became friends. And Nightline did a thing about it. Roll it. Triple X Church is an online church whose sole mission is to help people break free from pornography. Its pastor, Craig Gross, believes that porn not only hurts its stars, but also marriages and families. Do you do this every year? Yeah, we've been here every year. It's surprising that one of his closest friends is this man. R-O-N, that's who I be. For those who can't spell, Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy. They met at a porn convention seven years ago, but their relationship deepened this January, just before Ron's 60th birthday, when he was rushed to the hospital for emergency heart surgery. And he said, Craig, I'm scared, and I don't want to die. And he said, will you pray for me? This is the exact conversation. Craig, uh, are you free for a couple hours? He goes, yeah. Are you still close to God? He goes, last time I checked. Well, I'd like you and him to come down to see the Sinai Hospital. After a 14-hour surgery and lengthy hospital stay, Ron pulled through. Do you think Craig's prayers worked? And do you think there's a reason that you survived? Everybody's prayers worked. Craig's worked. 
Maybe I'm a product of successful prayers. But says he's a changed man. I love that Christian music. In part because of what he has learned from Craig. I had experiences that, that definitely made me believe in God. I mean, they were really... They had no other explanation. Ron estimates that he has made millions throughout his career, but despite his lifestyle, Ron has been embraced by the Triple X Church flock. To me, the message of Jesus unites, it doesn't divide. And you know what we're all against, but you really never know what we're for. And I think, like to me, I'm for Ron. And Ron is happy if Craig helps his female colleagues get out of porn. He ministers to them, brings them into the path of righteousness, and I think that's great. But no matter where Ron lives or what his next film role is, Craig and his family will always have room at the table for Uncle Ron. Here's a Jewish boy doing amazing grace. For Nightline, I'm Paula Ferris in Los Angeles. I don't know what you think. I think that's cool. I think that's great. But here's what's sad. I was watching one of their debates. I can't remember which one. And Ron stopped and said, look, and he looked at Craig and he said, Craig, here's the sad thing as far as I'm concerned. Your ministry is more welcome at a porn convention than I would be at a church. And he's right. He's right. And that sucks. That's wrong. The moment someone is not fully welcomed in this church is the moment we need to shut our doors. Everyone is welcome here. Everyone. Everyone. We're rolling out our new vision statement. Part of it, part of it is on the bulletin. We're going to make the full thing available to you. We'll email it to you, whatever you want. We're going to put it on the website. But I want you to look at the values down there, the last three, the first three values. we got like 12 of them, but the first three. CCC values the Bible as the very word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit and without error in its original form. CCC will present the clear message of salvation through Jesus Christ at every service. Number three, CCC is a welcoming community that opens its doors to all, regardless of race, income, or past mistakes Everyone is welcome at CCC. If that ever changes, I'm gone. If Ron Jeremy walked through those doors, I hoped every single one of you would welcome him with open arms. Anyone, it is always a good thing if anyone can come here and do two things. Hear the message of Jesus Christ and meet welcoming, loving Christians. That is always a good thing. And that is what we want to do. Now and to the time that Jesus returns. This church, when mom and dad started this in 1970, it wasn't long before they had hippies coming in the door. This was a time when they would come in, long hair, no shoes, sit on the floor, why, I have no idea. But they would come in the door. And other people in town were like, why are you letting those people in? This was a time when churches literally, they had elders and deacons at the front doors at other churches with rulers measuring skirts to see if your skirt was long enough to come inside. 
Now, I understand there's a problem with girls walking in here like they just got off work at Hooters. I get it. But that's ridiculous. There are churches I know of that still, if you come back your second week and you're not dressed a certain way, they tell you you can't come back until you go get Sunday clothes. That's wrong. What if they can't afford Sunday clothes? And I hear people all the time, man, I can't, I can't come to church. I like you, but I can't come to church because I feel judged. I said, well, first of all, when I read the Bible, I feel judged, and I'm a pastor. But second of all, you will be welcome. And if someone doesn't welcome you, you let me know. I'll ask them to leave. We have to be a community that welcomes everyone. I was, um, I've been watching that show on Spike TV, Gone, The Forgotten Women of Ohio. How many of you seen that? Yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah, a bunch. It's, it's a stark eye-opener about what is going on in our community. The amount of heroin coming in, all that kind of stuff. And I learned this long time ago when I was in law school. Some of you heard me say this before. When I was in law school, I interned for the U.S. Attorney's Office in Syracuse, New York. We had a informant in a street gang in Syracuse. And he checked in about once a week. But one week goes by, two weeks go by, three weeks go by. We're like, where is the guy? And we began thinking, "Uh uh-oh. He finally shows up. And the FBI let me sit in on the debriefing. And they're like, where have you been, man? Syracuse, New York. Syracuse, New York. He said, Southern Ohio. Why have you been in Southern Ohio? Because you can sell anything down there for any price. I did a death penalty case with two of my professors at, at Cornell. We handled a murder case. And this guy who was accused of murder had broken out of a jail in Kentucky. When I say broken out, this jail, he literally just walked to a fence. I mean, this is not like some escape from Alcatraz, Clint Eastwood movie. It was just, he just walked away. And he stole a car, and he went to Indiana, and then he went to Ohio, and he drove into Portsmouth. He rolled up to the first person he saw in Portsmouth and said, do you know where I can get some meth? The guy said, yeah, that house right down there. Things are bad out there. And the only way that we're going to tackle that problem, the government can do its part to a certain degree, law enforcement to a certain degree, but the only way this problem is going to be fixed is that the people in the darkness are brought into the light. The only way they're going to come into full recovery is to know Jesus Christ. Now, what that's going to mean is there are going to be a lot of people, I hope, that come into this church that have pasts that will upset you, that will make you uncomfortable. If you saw the documentary Gone, there's a transgender prostitute working down in the East End who went into recovery in Chillicothe. If that person gets out of recovery, transgender prostitute, 
and walks through those doors, I hope every single one of you welcomes that person. Every single one. Oh, but Matt, that, that, I, I don't care. I don't care. Sin is sin. We have all sinned. You have sinned. I have sinned. We're going to sin today. Unless you go nap. Well, even then, I don't know what you dream. You're probably going to sin then too. We all sin. And sin is all rebellion against God. We are all in the same boat. So we need to welcome everyone. And everyone needs to feel welcomed I don't often brag on my dad, but one of the smartest things he ever did was many years ago now, he said, I remember talking on the phone, he said, Matt, we're, we're going to hire a guy named Ralph Clay. And I said, I don't know who that is. He said, well, he's, you know, he, worked, he told me who he was. I said, okay. He said, we're going to hire him. I said, okay. He said, what's he going to do? He said, don't know yet. He said, he'll figure that out. I said, why are you hiring him? He said, because he's a really godly, wonderful African-American, and we're too white in this church, and that needs to change. And we need to send a signal that all races are welcome here. There were some staff members at the time who were against that. They said, ah, it's not going to work. That's, yeah, it will. And yes, it did. Now, I understand it's not just because Ralph is black, it's because Ralph is Ralph. I get that. But it worked. And I'm so proud when I look out and I see people of different races and ages and, and, and so forth. That's so special today because still today, it's 2017 and there are still white churches, black churches, Hispanic churches. And that's sinful and stupid. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ, or we, there are people in here who need to be brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's the way it works. That's the way it works. What we're going to do is this. And I had many conversations with a lot of people. I talked about this with, with a lot of people that I, I respect about how to do this. People not even in this church, and, or, you know, people in this church and outside this church. Talk to Tim Glockner, talk to Lou King, other people. I said, I said, what do you think about this? And they, they all told me the same thing. Matt, we need leadership, so you need to train leaders. I said, okay. So after I heard that about a dozen times, I thought, okay, that's either God speaking or I'm just too dumb to get it. So this is what we need to do. So we're going to train leaders. One of the reasons why Christians don't reach out to non-Christians, one of the reasons why Christians don't go places where they're uncomfortable is one of the reasons. They don't feel prepared to do it. They don't feel like they can answer their questions, their objections. They don't feel like, so we're going to train you to do that. We're going to train at least 12 people at a time, at least 36 a year, on how to talk to non-Christians, how to bring them to Christ, and then how to bring them closer to Christ. The Bible calls that discipleship. We're going to train people to do that. And this is not about making a bigger church. This is about expanding a kingdom. That's what it's about. Some of you already asked, I want to be a part of that. Okay, don't worry. If you're not in the first batch, we'll get to you. We'll, we'll get there. The training is going to take about five weeks, about an hour a day, five weeks, not a day, but a week, sorry. This scared some of you. Um, 
about an hour a week for five weeks. It's all it really takes. And then we'll follow up with you to see how you're doing. The staff will do that. This is about training leaders to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples because that is the only thing that's going to save our community. The government cannot do it. Only Jesus Christ can do it. And so that's what we're going to do. Now, I'll be honest, this scares me, but I also know from leaders who have mentored me, if your vision's not big enough to scare you, it ain't big enough. So we're going to do this. And it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. But we need to do a couple things first, and this is important. I got my hair cut this week at RJ's, and Jay was telling me, I'm going to brag on Jay. Jay was telling me we were talking about the church split and everything's happened. And Jay said, you know, what I've learned is that it's really hard to be angry with someone you pray for. We can't have anger in our hearts. We need to pray for everyone. And that may include, there may be somebody outside this church who doesn't want to come to this church because they've done you wrong at some point. You need to be praying for them, and you need to be the one to invite them to church. The smartest man who ever lived, pray for your enemies. Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they've done. And we're not above our master. Pray for them. Invite them to church. You can all do that. What I hope and pray is like Philip, the Spirit of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, puts you in a place where you're there with the outsider and you can talk to them, and you can tell them, this is what Scripture means. That's what the staff here is praying for all of you, that that happens, because that's our mission as Christians. Now, we're going to unroll more of the vision statement through this month. I know this was a crappy weekend to kick it off because so many people are gone and traveling and so forth, but you know, we have to do it because one of the reasons we have to do it is we've got Detective J. Warner Wallace is going to be here at the end of September. Uh, you'll want to be here for that, by the way, and you'll want to invite people to that because his presentation is absolutely amazing. Uh, Detective J. Warner Wallace was an atheist who began applying cold case detective methods to the Bible and ended up becoming a Christian. And he'll be here September 30th and October 1st. He's amazing. He's a great guy, humble guy. Uh, he's been on Dateline more than any other detective. The guys at Dateline call him the evidence whisperer. So you'll want to be here for Jay Warner Wallace. But until then, we're going to unroll the vision statement. And we have a new ad that we're going to put up on Facebook and Instagram for that. Don't worry, this is not another SNL spoof. We're done with that for a while. But I want you to see this ad about the history and future of Christ Community Church. Roll it. Two score and seven years ago, Christ Community Church was born. It created a stir as it welcomed barefoot hippies and hosted rock concerts. It was also God's instrument to bring thousands to Christ. Insured children of prisoners had Christmas gifts, supplied needs to single parents in the fall, hosted the Storm Bratchet Blood Drive, and built wells in Africa. Today, CCC is planning to do even more, including a veterans recognition dinner in which a disabled veteran will receive a track chair. This is Christ Community Church, and perhaps most importantly, we have Ralph Clay. <laughs> if you would, 
like and share that on Facebook and Instagram. I, I tried to argue with the staff. We were talking about what our, our marketing tagline should be. Love God, love people. Know what you believe and why. I said, all we need to say is CCC, we have Ralph Clay. What else do you need? <laughs> so... <laughs> Though last night, Ralph said he's thinking about charging us for that. But anyway, um, be sure to like and share that. God bless you. I hope you're on board with us on this welcoming everyone, being a diverse community. Let me pray for you, and then we'll get out of here. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have blessed us for 47 years. I pray that you'll be with us as we move forward and reach out to our community. May everyone be welcomed here at Christ Community Church. May anger and hatred be out of our hearts. May grudges be put away, and may we be welcoming people. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. See ya. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.